All right, so um, I'm going to pick up where we left off on Sunday. Um, we were talking about um, the tabernacle and everything that Christ um, fulfilled re regarding the tabernacle and what it speaks of. You know, went over the the walls, the gate, the altar of sacrifice, and the laver. So I'm just going to briefly go over the the, the laver. Um, in Exodus 30, uh, verses 17 through 21, it says, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, You shall make... You shall also make a laver of brass, and his foot also of brass, to wash withal. And you shall put it between the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, and you shall put water therein. So it was a bowl where they were to come and wash. For Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet. When they go into the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall wash with water that they die not. Or when they come near to the altar to minister, to burn offering made by fire unto the Lord. And verse 21 says, So they shall wash their hands and their feet, that they die not. And it shall be a, a statue forever to them, even to him and his seed throughout their generations. So here we see um, evidently in um, verses 18, in 19 that the laver signifies cl cleansing they were to go in there before they would enter the tabernacle to clean their hands their feet um, and it signifies the cleansing of sin from the Christian life to maintain fel fellowship with him um, we, we went over this on Sunday um, but it's um, the confession for the believer um, when you, we accept Christ we are positionally sanctified and that is a fact and a truth that will never change. But in our day to day, because we still live on this earth, um, sin nature will interrupt our fellowship. And um, that requires confession so we can enter back into fellowship in First John 1 9. Um, the laver was always available um, day and night. Um, Psalms 86 5 says for you Lord are good and are ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call unto you um, so we're gonna go into the tabernacle now um, the tabernacle was built according to a pattern that was shown unto Moses in Exodus 25 40 in Exodus 26 30 and in Acts 70 in Acts 7 44 the side and rear walls were made up of boards, you know, so like I said on Sunday, um, made of the wood boards and covered with gold. Um, the boards were 15 feet tall and two and a half feet, 2.25 feet wide. And anything made of this wood was made with uh, shittim wood, uh, again, that speaks of... Um, Christ as a root out of dry ground, um, and they were on silver sockets in Exodus twenty six nineteen through twenty one. And the silver sockets formed the foundation for the boards, and it speaks of the redemption, which is found, which is the foundation of the Christian life and the foundation of God's eternal kingdom. 
Um, they were the sockets were made from the silver shekels that were given as a ransom money, and this is really interesting. First Peter one eighteen through nineteen says, "But with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot." Um, and the foundation speaks of the great value of Christ's blood as unspeakably pr precious. Um, and I'll, t I'll turn to that real quick so we can read that. That's First uh, Peter one eighteen. It says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, as in the tabernacle from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers but by but with the precious blood of christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you i think that's awesome how that verse 20 sh shows john 1 1 one two and one fourteen how Christ was the word was God's full thought made manifest in the flesh um, each socket weighed about ninety four pounds and so the total amount of silver in the tabernacle foundation was about nine thousand four hundred pounds and it's a picture that Christ's blood is able to save as many as come to him and is able to redeem those who choose him um, just as the tabernacle was separated from the ground by the silver sockets the, you know the wood would sit on the silver the believers forever separated from this world system and the, and the old creation by the blood of christ we have a new nature new image as seen in the booklets and all throughout the teachings we've been receiving uh romans 6 6 says Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should no longer serve sin. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And Galatians 6.14 says, But God forbid that I should glory, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. So we clearly see through the types that silver speaks of redemption, and we are redeemed by the blood of Christ, and we are made near by the blood of Christ, and therefore we are to be separated. Um, in Exodus 26, 1 through 14, um, speaks about the roof and how the roof was built and everything that went into the roof um, it was covered with uh, four colored cloth coverings and I believe there were about 10 of them um, and it's um, the same colors were involved as the veil and the gates it was a uh, blue purple and scarlet and engraved with the cherubims which was seen from the inside so there was that, that was one layer of the tabernacle roof. And then on top of that was a covering made of goat's hair. And then over this was a covering made of ram's skin. So we can read that in Exodus 26, in, in chapter 26, uh, 1 through 14. 
the goat's hair curtain and ram's skin signify Christ's atonement. The goat was the sin offering, and we can see that in the Levitical off offerings, um, as well as in Numbers. Um, Leviticus 4, 24, 9, 15, 16, 9. And Numbers fifteen twenty seven chapters twenty eight uh, verse twenty two, and chapter twenty nine verse twenty two, Ezekiel forty three twenty five. Just as the ram's skin dyed red points to the ram as a sin offering in Leviticus five fifteen, the color red points to the blood of Christ, which was the basis of all the offerings. It was by His shed blood. Um, that was made atonement. It was a ram that God supplied as a sacrifice in the place of Isaac. And we've been taught that um, in Genesis that God will provide himself a, a lamb first. That's the propitiation. And then um, it was for us as a substitution. <clears throat> Both point to the fact of the believer priest inside the tabernacle wrapped safely in Christ's salvation. I think that's incredible how um, also the altar um, speaks of the power of God's um, blood to save. And then finally, there was a covering made of badger skins. This was the covering that was seen from the outside of the tabernacle. The coverings depict how the glory of Christ was veiled when he was on earth. And we see... Uh, Mentioned that in Isaiah 53 2 and in Philippians 2 7 through 8, um, how he came as a servant to, to look at Christ in the flesh during his first coming. One saw nothing extraordinary, he was a servant, he was a carpenter. Um, but only those who walked with him saw him through the eye of faith, I could see his gl glory and. In 1 John 1, 1, John talks about being uh, handling the word of, of life and seeing him. Um, he was the beloved apostle whom Jesus loved. Um, and, and he was there and saw him intimately. Um, the, when you stand outside of the tabernacle, all, all you see are the black skins. But when you would enter by the means of the altar of sack, and you and the laver and then you would enter into the tabernacle you enjoyed the beauty of the inside the gold covered boards and the ceiling of woven linen curtains held together by pure gold the gold covered ob objects all illuminated by the can candlestick which we'll go into later um, but it was completely beautiful inside lit up by one source and that's the candlesticks and that speaks of Christ the colors of the uh, the roof um, speak of Christ as a righteous man um, a God man in humanity the king of kings and the savior the there was ten curtains that would cover the um, tabernacle which we can see that there was also ten commandments which Christ kept in perfect perfection. In Exodus twenty six one. Um, the priest approached the court through the one gate and the altar of sacrifice and laver 
being cleansed positionally, which every believer is positionally cleansed and experientially through confession, he could enter into the tabernacle and behold the glories of the resurrected Christ by means of the light, which is the candlestick. In that tabernacle, he would find spiritual food, which is the manna, and he would be able to commune with God in, in the table of showbread. It's a beautiful picture of the Christian life, and after we are born again through faith, then we are washed from our daily sin by confession, and we can enjoy fellowship with Christ. And that's the ultimate, you know, God's ultimate plan was to fellowship and have intimacy with with us. And but by the fall of Adam, um, then you know he had already a plan to redeem us back, so we can have intimacy with Him. It's a choice that we all choose. We can spend as much time in the holy place, right, quote-unquote. Um, all we have to do is come before before Him, the throne of grace, and set my affection on things above as much as I want. And we can be like Joshua, who departed not out of the tabernacle. Exodus 33, 11. So the walls and the roof were fastened to the ground by pins and cords. So it was, you know, pulled taut. Um, and this signifies the security of Christ's salvation for those that believe. Isaiah twenty two twenty three says, And I will fasten fasten him as a nail in a secure in a sure place, and he shall be for a glorious throne to his father's house. The hope he gives each and every one of us is Hebrews 6.19, an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. And every promise of God in him is yea and amen. But I think that's a beautiful picture of his salvation for those who choose him. So the tabernacle had the door, um, which was a one curtain um, and entrance. It's a picture of Christ, the one door, John ten seven. There's also an episode um, way back where Ed teaches on the door and the porter. It's episode 62 if you want to go to the podcast and listen to that. It's really cool. Um, the tabernacle itself was divided into two compartments or two separate rooms. And the first was the holy place. That's the first thing that you would... You would come into when you open when you go through that gate. It was a uh, thirty feet by fifteen feet wide and fifteen feet high. You see that in Hebrews nine, verse two. And the inner compartment, which was the one on the left, was a perfect cube, fifteen feet by fifteen feet by fifteen feet high. Um, it's also called the holy of holies or called the holy place in Leviticus 16.2 and Hebrews 9.25. So in the holy place was the golden candlestick. So you would walk into the room um, and it was on the left. And then there was also the table of showbread and that, that table was made of wood covered with gold and it was on the right as you entered the tabernacle. So you got the candlestick when you walk in to the left, the table of showbread to the right, and then there was an incense altar made of wood covered with gold. You see that in Exodus 30, uh, verses 1 through 10. And it was 
1.5 feet square and 3 feet high and it stood in front of the veil so you would walk into the tabernacle to the holy place the first room to the left a candlestick to the right table of show, showbread and right in front of you was the incense altar that stood behind the veil um, th these three articles in the room the candlestick table of showbread and incense speak of Christ as the light which is the candlestick he speaks of the bread and then he speaks of the intercessor Christ our intercessor our advocate um, as the altar and incense speak of prayer and a beautiful aroma unto God Christ is everything to us he's our all in Colossians 3 uh, 11 he's our all in all we can see the candlestick in Exodus 25 31 it says and you shall make a candlestick of pure gold of beaten work shall the candlestick be made his shaft his branches his bowls his knobs and his flowers shall all be of the same the golden candlestick was it had seven lamps so it was you know a stick you know a candlestick vertically and then there was three branches to both sides so total of seven lamps and it was made of pure solid gold this and the seven lamps were uh, fueled by the olive oil and were to be kept lit at all times and we've been taught that the oil speaks of the spirit the holy spirit um, the lampstand speaks of Christ as the light of the world in John 8, 12. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, there was no natural light that was coming into the tabernacle. The priests were dependent upon the light um, to see inside. Um, so it also speaks of spiritual wisdom and understanding. And that Daniel 5, 14, and it speaks of Christ giving spiritual understanding to, to men through his spirit and in his word and we've seen that in psalms 119 how his word is a lamp into our feet and in verse 130 as well in exodus 25 31 notice there's no wood between the gold and remember wood speaks of humanity so it was a pure gold um, because god has always been the light of men even before entering um his incarnation as man John 1 um, we see that he's in Proverbs 8 he's the wisdom he is with wisdom he's the one that does in light in God's light we see light in Psalms 36 9 everything in our life becomes clear as we walk in the light of Christ and in his word Exodus 25:37 says and you shall make the seven lamps thereof, and they shall light the lamps, that they may give light over against it. So there's one candlestick with seven lights. And the sevenfold nature, as we've been taught, seven speaks of perfection or completeness. So it speaks of Christ, perfection of Christ, but the light. And it was to shine upon itself first in Numbers 8.2. This teaches us that the main thing we need to see when we walk in His light is Christ Himself. And that's that's the chief objective of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit 
um, points and teaches the things of Christ. It shows us as believers the thing of Christ. Um, the presence of the lampstand in the holy place is only available for the priest. So it shows us that the unbeliever does not have the light of life and thus doesn't understand the mysteries of life. They're blind and they're hardened. Um, and it's ev evident with what's going on today in 2022 that there's so many blind and hardened people that don't have the light of Christ. The priest had to maintain the wicks of the lamps each evening and morning with the golden tongs. And likewise, the believer must keep the light burning brightly in his life by coming unto him and receiving him. As the light would grow dim when the believer backslides and our attention is toward, turned towards ourself in the world instead of Christ. So the maintenance of that the wicks were important back then. Um, when the wicks weren't maintained, it would become dim. You know, you lose that light or it would give off smoke and irritate the eyes. So just as the believer, if they're careless, then that's when the backsliding comes in and our hearts become hard hardened. So we don't hear the spirit's voice and actually become... Uh, we become discouraged and offended at, at God's word. Um, in Exodus twenty-seven twenty through 21 says, And you shall command the children of Israel that they bring you pure olive oil beaten for the light to cause the lamp to burn always. In the tabernacle of the congregation without the veil, which is before the testimony, which is the Ten Commandments. Aaron and his sons shall order it from evening to morning before the Lord. And it shall be a statue forever unto their generations on the behalf of the children of Israel. So, as mentioned earlier, the Holy Spirit is always, it always speaks of Christ. Who's, the Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to see Christ and to understand this, the Scriptures. He is the one and only theologian and uh, divine teacher from 1 John 2.20 and 27. We see that the oil had to be replenished each day. And this speaks of um, a tremendous dependence upon the Spirit in our daily walk. In Galatians 5.16 and 17, how the flesh and the Spirit are contrary one to the other. Um, the oil was made by beating pure olive in Exodus 27.20. The olive oil speaks of Christ um, and His Spirit poured out. So right after the um, the incense altar, there was the veil. And it was between the holy place and the holy of holies. And it was made with fine linen interwoven with the same three colors and the images of the cherubim. Um, and we'll read that in Exodus 26. Verse 36, it says, And you shall make an, a hanging for the door of the tent of blue, purple, and scarlet, and fine twine linen wrought with needlework. And you shall make for the hanging five pillars of shittim wood, and overlay them with gold, and their hooks shall be of gold, and you shall cast five sockets of brass for them. 
and the five pillars of it with their hooks, and he overlaid their chapiters, the crowns, and their fillets with gold, but their five sockets were of brass. So the pillars of wood covered with gold pictures Christ as a perfect man and God in one person, his humanity, but yet still God. Um, the chapiters are the beautiful ornamental crowns, and I mentioned this on Sunday, which is on top of the column. Um, and they were crowned. It pictures Christ crowned and seated at the right hand of God, which he is. Um, he's crowned with all glory and honor, and he's been exalted above all and been given a name which is above every name. In Ephesians one twenty one, the pillars rested on brass sockets instead of the silver sockets which we've seen and it signifies judgment um, it pictures Christ suffering on the cross as the foundation of his work as high priest which he is to us um, there was also the table of showbread in the um, first room right there in the tabernacle we can read that in Exodus 25, 30 through 30. So on, on the table, there were 12 loaves or 12 cakes or bread um, in stacked, you know, six on each side. And then frankincense was placed upon the bread for a memorial unto the Lord. Um, the bread was replaced each Sabbath. So there was always fresh bread. Um, the priest ate the bread when they ate went into and they ministered in the holy place. And it speaks of Christ as the bread of life and the believer's communion with him. Um, I, I think it's incredible how we can take as much, you know, in, in the table of show bread, the bread was always fresh and they could eat as much as they wanted. And it, it's an evident picture of us as a church fellowshipping and communion and eating of the word um, the gold and wood as we've been taught speaks of his humanity and his deity as Christ the divine man who made the only acceptable sacrifice so that he could become the mediator between God and man we don't need any other we are a believer priest um, in the New Testament as believers um, so that we can fellowship with him. And um, the, the table had a crown around the edge of the table. And, and it's an evident um, sign of Christ um, risen and seated at the right hand of God as the king of kings. Um, the bread speaks of Christ as the bread of life, the flower depicts Christ's holy life and consistency and uniformity of his character. He was perfect in every aspect. There was no flaw, no weakness, no imbalance. Christ is the new man. He's to whose image the believer is ordained and formed. And we see that in Romans eight twenty nine, how we are conformed to the image of his son. Um, the baking you know, when they would make the bread, they would bake the bread, and it shows of Christ's su suffering for us. He endured the fire of the cross and the justice of God that was met on the cross. 
Um, the eating of the bread by the priest depict the saint becoming one with Christ by believing on him and then growing spiritually by walking in fellowship with him. Je Jesus taught in Matthew 4, 4 that man does not live by the, the physical bread, which is the details of life, but by every word of God. Eating the bread is not a service or it's not a performance. Eating the bread is Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. We're there to receive from him. We, we can't properly serve Christ without receiving what he, he's given us. Um, the bread had to be eaten regularly and the bread was always available and fresh as I mentioned earlier. Um, so the believer can be spiritually fed and refreshed at all times through Christ whenever we want. Um, what a waste it is for the believer to spend time in the husk of the world as the prodigal in the far con country lived his life. Um, when we can be feeding on the pure bread of Christ. Notice that the bread and the, on the table with the frankincense was the only thing placed on the altar as the food of the priest. There, there were no sauces or spices or pickles, all olives, which they had enough of. And I think, you know, it was just the bread. It was just Christ. And many churches have drifted far from this simple truth In the church, how um, instead of coming together and fellowshipping around Christ, the bread of life, the, that which true fellowship is, to feed on his word, they bring in all the extra other side dishes, quote unquote, of self to make it satisfying for, they, for their flesh. They bring their own interest into the local assembly and... Um, that's not fellowship. So I think that's a beautiful picture of that Christ is to be our all wherever we're at. So when you would walk into the tabernacle, there was the candlestick, table show, showbread, and the incense altar. We'll read that in Exodus 30, verse 7 says, And Aaron shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning when he dressed the lamps. And he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lights the lamps at even, he shall burn incense upon it, and a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. So the high priest would come and burn incense on it every morning and evening. And a special incense was burned on the altar, which was not to be used for any other purpose. It was just for the um, incense altar. The incense was burned upon coals taken from the altar of sacrifice. Uh, the blood was applied to the altar once a year on the Day of Atonement. Um, it pictures Christ as um, our intercessory prayer. He's our intercessor. Uh, the wood and gold speak of Christ as a sinless man. And the horns re represent, as mentioned, the power of authority when Christ prays and intercedes for each one of us. His prayers have authority. 
every word that he speaks is infallible and unbreakable. It's incredible. The blood teaches that Christ is our intercessor on the basis of his own blood atonement on the cross. And that's in uh, Exodus 30.10. The cloud of incense wafting up before the Ark of the Covenant depicts the fragrance of Christ before the Father. And we can read that in Ephesians. The Father is well pleased and satisfied with Christ in his life here on earth, in his death, and in his resurrection. And Christ is that for each individual. In 1 Corinthians one thirty. The incense was offered on the altar day and night. Christ is always interceding for his people. Hebrews 7.25 says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing that he lives, he ever lives, to make intercession for us. We're saved by him, and we're saved by his resurrection life. And his intercession is a guarantee of our eternal security in him. He's always pleading for, for us. He's always on our side. Um, 1 Corinthians 1, 30, Christ is made unto us sanctification, righteousness, justification, and wisdom. The believer's prayers, because we're in Christ, are a sweet savor unto him. Psalms 141.2 says, Let my prayer be set forth before you as incense, and the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. The blood sprinkled on the incense altar reminds us also that we cannot pray acceptably except through the blood of Christ. The incense burning morning and evening continually also reminds us that the believer should pray without ceasing. We are not to turn coward. We're to be consistent in prayer, men of prayer. Um, you know, I think all these articles and items really bring out a meaning to the Christian life. And, um, and I think pray prayer is a very important one. So after the um, instance altar there was the veil and then you would enter into the holy of holies uh, this veil signified that the way into the presence of god had not been opened yet because christ hadn't died you had to open the veil and enter in but when he did die the veil in the temple was torn in two parts and we see that in matthew 27 51 it says and behold the veil of the temple was rent in two it was torn in two from the top to the bottom and the earth did quake and the rocks quaked as well or the rocks rent um, Hebrews ten nineteen through 20 says having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh so it the veil is a type of the flesh. You see that right there in Hebrews 10.20. In the Holy of Holies, the most holy place, um, it contained the Ark of the Covenant. And we'll read that in Exodus 25.10-16. And um, we read that on Sunday in Hebrews 9.1-5. It was a rectangular box, two and a, uh, 3.75 feet long, 2.25 feet wide. 
and 2.25 feet high. It was made of wood covered with gold, as most of the articles were. It was made of it gold, wood and gold inside and out, and had a crown of gold around the top. Just like the table of showbread had a crown, this one had a crown as well. And it contained the Ten Commandments written on stone called the Testimony. So the Ark of the Covenant had them inside. Um, it also contained a gold pot filled with manna, which also speaks of Christ, the bread of life. In Exodus 16, 33. And this is incredible. It also had Aaron's rod that budded, which is a type of resurrection owned of God as high priest. I, I, I was reading this and studying this as I was reading about the tabernacle um, in Numbers 16 and 17. Um, Aaron's priesthood had been questioned um, in the rebellion of Korah. And so each of the tribe heads brought a perfectly dead rod. Okay. Um, in verse 17, in chapter 17, God confirms that Aaron is the priest that he chose. So each of the tribe head brought their own perfectly dead rod. Okay. And um, God put life into Aaron's rod only. Aaron's cut off branch lived and flowered and brought forth fruit. And it depicts Christ's death and resurrection. Just as the flowering almond branch of number 17 proved that Aaron was the, the divinely chosen high priest. So Christ, the resurrection, marks him as the son of God. And, and you can read that. It's a really cool chapter, um, 16 and 17, that point to Christ as the chosen one. So the ark had, you know, the crown, uh, t the Ten Commandments placed inside, and then it was covered with a lid called um, the mercy seat. And it was made of solid gold. We'll read that real quick. In Exodus 25, 17 through 21, it says, And you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the bread thereof. A cubit was roughly about 18 inches. You shall make two cherubims of gold of beaten work. Shall you make them in the two ends of the mercy seat? One cherubim on the one end and the other cherub on the other end. Even so, even of the mercy seat shall you make the cherubims on the two ends thereof. And the cherubims shall stretch forth their, their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings. And their face shall look one to another. So their faces were looking at each other toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubims be. So they were looking down towards the mercy seat, two cherubs, you know, face to face with their wings covering, right? And you shall put the mercy seat above the ark. And in the ark shall you put the testimony that I shall give you. So on the mercy seat were the, the carvings of the cherubims facing inward with their wings covering the seat. The ark containing the Ten Commandments represent Christ. This is awesome. Represent Christ bearing the law of God in his heart and in his very being as the holy sinless son of God. Psalms 46 through 8 says, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears have you opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. 
Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will. Oh, my God. Yes, your law is within my heart. We've been taught that the Psalms were written in the spirit of Christ. And in type, we're always to see Christ um, in the word. So we see in verse 8, it says, I delight to do your will. Oh, my God. Yes, your law is within my heart. And so we see how that clearly draws a picture of Christ bearing the law of God in his heart. And he delighted only to do his will. The crown points to the ark, or the crown around the ark points to Christ as king. He was born as a king in Matthew 2, 2. He rode into Jerusalem as a king in John 12, 13 through 15. He was crucified as a king in John 19, 9. He rose as a king of kings in 1 Timothy 6.15 and he will return as a king of kings and lords of lords in Revelations 19.16 The mercy seat in Exodus 25.17-22 says and the, you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold so the ark of the covenant was made of wood and gold but the mercy seat of pure gold two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof and a cubit and a half the breadth the width thereof and you shall make two cherubims of gold of beaten work shall you make them in the two ends of the mercy seat and make one cherub on the one end and the other cherub on the other end even of the mercy seat shall you make the cherubims on the two ends thereof um, verse 22 says or verse 21 says and you shall put the mercy seat above the ark and in the ark shall put shall you put the testimony that I shall give you, and there I will meet with you, and I will commune with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony, of all the things which I give you in commandment unto the children of Israel. So, we see, and I think I just reread that, but the ark of the ark was covered with a lid called the mercy seat, made of solid gold. The Ark of the Covenant, as we see in the verses we just read, was where God's presence dwelt. His glory entered when the tabernacle was first set up there in the uh, in the mercy seat. Exodus 40, 33-35 pr proved that, as well as Hebrews 9-6 and Leviticus 16, 11-17. No one went into the Holy of Holies except the high priest once a year to make atonement by sprinkling the blood on the mercy seat. So the mercy seat was sprinkled with blood on the day of atonement, pointing to that the cross work of Christ satisfied the demands of God's holy law and reconciled sinners unto God. And we'll, I'll go into this part right here a little bit more in depth. Um, Hebrews 9, 7 says, But into the second went the high priest alone once per year, once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. He always went in there with blood. The mercy seat perfectly covered the law, which was contained in the ark, right? So it perfectly co covers it, symbolizing propitiation. Christ covering the, the demands of God's law, that that it is the blood of Christ which put away our sins. So... I want to read this, and I'll probably wrap it up here on propitiation. In Romans 3.25, it says, 
whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith by his blood to declare his righteousness for the remissions of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. So the word propitiation in verse 25 is translated hilasterion. And hilasterion is defined as the place of propitiation. In 1 John 2, 2, it says, And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the world, for those that choose him. And in 1 John 4.10, it says, Here in his love, not that we loved him, but that he loves us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So Romans 3.25, the word propitiation there is translated hilasterion. But in these other two verses in 1 John, it is translated hilasmos, meaning that which propitiates. So it he Christ is our place of propitiation, and he is also the one that propitiates. He's both. It's a covering or a satisfaction of a debt. And what's indicated is um, in, in John 1, 1 John 2, 2, is that provision is made for the world. Okay, Christ died for the sins that would choose him, not for the sins of the world, because if he died for the sins of the world, everyone would be saved, um, which is not the case. Some don't even choose him. So it's clearly saying, it's clearly meaning that he died for those that would choose him. Provision is made for the whole world, absolutely, because Christ, or because God um, d desires that no man per perish, but not all choose him. That way, no one is left. Pr provision is made for the world so that no one is, by d divine predetermination, excluded from the scope of God's mercy, the efficacy of the propitiation. But it's made actual for those who believe. No one's left out on their own. They can choose. Christ is the propitiation. He is the helasmos. He is the re reconciling sacrifice. He's the expiation. Jesus Christ wholly satisfied the demands of God's law. He is our covering. He is the place where we can come and receive that salvation. Um, and so, yeah, I'll finish it there. Um, by no means this is an exhaustive definition of what the tabernacle is. This is just what I received. Um, I'm sure there's way more and way more depth to what I understand, but... Um, you know, I believe that the tabernacle points perfectly to Christ and there's so much we can learn from between the types and the lessons and this, the things that Israel, the nation of Israel, were commanded to do. And sometimes, you know, they obeyed, sometimes they disobeyed and how we can learn from that. This is a lot of information. So if you would like to just, you know, reread or re-listen to this, feel free. Um, so, Father God, we thank you this morning for um, the work that you did, Lord, and your blood that was shed, um, the opportunity you give each individual with their will submitted to you, Lord, to receive the gift that you have offered, the gift of salvation, Lord. Um, we thank you, Lord, and we praise you in your name. Amen.